Welcome, friends, to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Nason. James Bryce once said, The worth of a book is to be measured by what you can carry away from it. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces you to exciting new authors who talk about themselves and their latest work. David Finch joins me today to talk about his book, God's Plan for Abundant Living, Five Biblical Principles Upon Which to Build Your Financial House. David has a Bachelor of Science degree in education with a minor in accounting from the University of Oregon. He established a financial counseling program under the umbrella of Christian Family Services, initially known as Christian Family Institute. And that's where David received the five principles which guide the focus of his ministry. Welcome, David. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. I'm curious, what inspired you to write this book? Well, initially, this was a nine-hour seminar that I had taught uh, while still at Christian Family Services. Uh, and then when, we, when that program was closed and set up under another name, under that business, we did some more. But people quit going to seminars. And I had all the material there. The principles are still there. And I decided it was time to get it in book form and get it out so people could read it. So I started on it using that basic, uh, that basic outline and ended up with what you have on the market today, that's that's this book. Well, I really like the analogy of building a house. How did you come up with that? Um, I'm not really sure, Uh, but when I was developing the uh, book, I thought, you know, that that makes sense. Uh, I had uh, Larry O'Brien do the artwork on it, and we started out with the first principle being the foundation, and so he drew a picture of a foundation that's in the book. Uh, then you're putting the outside walls as the second principle, and you're uh, doing the uh, uh, planning for how to, how to do the inside structure. That's the third principle. The fourth one, which makes real good sense when you think about communication. It's the uh, uh, principle of, of putting furniture, what kind of quality furniture. And then the fifth one is the key to make it work. Uh, so and it made sense, and that's, that's the financial house. I really I like that. Yeah, it, it makes it easier for people to remember the principles when they have a picture to go with it that makes sense. And people understand houses. They understand the process of building a house. So it just was a logical fit. So that's why I did it. So let's talk about principle one. Give me a little bit of information. Let's give our listeners some overviews and talk about all five of the principles. And so, obviously, the logical place to start is principle one. So if you were going to give them an overview of what principle one consists of, please do that. Well, the first principle is that of stewardship. We don't own anything. We are simply stewards. Everything we've been given, we're accountable for how we use it. So that is principle number one, uh, is we are stewards, not owners. And then there are some chapters dealing with uh, self-esteem and money and self-expression, this type of thing, uh, all relating to the fact that we're stewards, not owners. And that is principle one. All right. Principle two talks about bondage or debt. Uh, this is something that people don't really understand too well. When they think of a credit card, they think of, ah, freedom, I can get what I want now. But in actuality, a credit card puts somebody in bondage because now debt itself says 
the person you owe money owns that much of you. So it's actually a bondage situation, so that was the logical uh, assumption there. And I talk about, in some subsequent chapters to that, uh, getting out of debt, the art of staying out of debt, uh, and if you're going to uh, operate your finances, you want to operate them from uh, this perspective of debt-free. I talk about savings, what's real savings, what isn't, and how use of talents fits into this. And a lot of those people say, ah, that doesn't matter. It does. Uh, it may not be an issue for some people, but still, it's there, and they can always say, I don't want to do that, I want to come back to it, but it's still important. So Good. That's special, too. And I think that's a really important one, because I think our society is built on so much debt. It is, and when I first was teaching the class, people kind of wanted to bypass stewardship, which I think was a mistake, because it's the foundation, but they wanted to get to that one, because debt is such a problem for everybody and interestingly enough in the years that I've been teaching that hasn't changed any <laughs> people are still in debt and they need to learn to get out and stay out so that's what we would like to do a little frightening isn't it to think it's not any better <laughs> yeah unfortunately well your number three your principle number three talks about a plan um, yeah, if you're going to get out of debt, you're going to live on a debt-free basis, you're going to be good stewards, you have to make some kind of plans. Now, a lot of people feel, well, it doesn't matter. But actually, if you don't plan to succeed, you plan to fail. Um, because you're going to if you don't have some kind of a direction in your life. So, the, And that is actually arranging the rooms inside the house in terms of the house analogy. Uh, and the purpose is to have a thing, okay, you're going to have to do a budget because a budget is what determines you know what you want to do. You have a plan, and then you have to keep some kind of record so that you'll know whether the plan is working or not. Otherwise, it's, it's a nice ornament on a wall. I mean, it doesn't mean anything unless you can monitor. So those are the two key elements there, and there's three chapters. One about uh, doing a budget that's a regular budget, but then there's a prayer budget. I don't know if you've ever heard of a prayer budget. Before. I haven't. Explain that well, to me, prayer, please. A prayer budget says if money was not an object and I wanted to have, I just want God's will to be fulfilled in my life, what would that budget be like? So you go down and you, you plan everything, just ignore the giving at first, and you plan everything else, and you don't want to get extravagant, but... Feel free to put in some recreation, this sort of thing. And then when you get done, that's 90% of your budget. Then you take and divide that by nine, that's, and that difference is your tenth. Area. That's your tithe. You always put a tithe in there. And then you put the income above that. Well, it's usually very unrealistic to where people are. But you, you, pray, you pray for that one. You, you thank God for it. You affirm it's true. You don't spend on that one. You spend on the reality budget, which we would have discussed the previous chapter. But nevertheless, it's there. And uh, the first time I did this, God multiplied it double over what I had originally written as a prayer budget. So uh, it's, it's a way of doing it. I just did a prayer budget uh, yesterday for a future situations. What I wanted to see, okay, it's totally unrealistic right now. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> because it doesn't have to be realistic. It has to be a focus of prayer. So that's a prayer budget. Interesting. Well, communication is principle four, and that's got to be really, really, really important. It is. Um, and I have chapters, for example, one of them is husband and wife, uh, battleground, or uh, I guess it's uh, peace or battleground, I can't remember the exact title right now, but 
uh, it's the idea of you're going to either be at loggerheads with each other or you're going to communicate effectively so that you talk on the same page and you're on the same plans. Uh, and how do you teach the children? You're going to teach them to win or lose, depending upon what you teach them, because they're going to listen to you whether you want to or not. And they're not going to listen to the words. They're going to listen to your life. They're going to watch what you do, and that's how they're going to do most of their learning. Uh, then I talk about those who are single. Uh, and I've been single at one time. Uh, my wife died a number of years back, so I'm single again. Uh, but those perspectives are there. Because single people say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have a family. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> so I cover those things as part of the process of communication. And you have to communicate effectively with your creditors, with your family, with anybody out there. Otherwise, you just have chaos. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Now, the next one is interesting. Give sacrificially. And I noticed when I was reading the summary that you gave me that you have hilarious sacrifice. There is a chapter. Please explain that to me. That was intriguing. <laughs> um, the idea, uh, and I've had one person look at that title and said, that's ridiculous. Uh, you wouldn't make a sacrifice and be, have it be hilarity. Uh, and obviously it's a play on words, but it's the idea that you're going to give not till it starts to hurt, but you're going to give beyond when it hurts. So you're going to give to the point where you feel so much joy in the giving that it just transforms you. You feel like laughing. It's, it's the, the things that were important to you before that suddenly aren't important anymore because giving is so much a uh, part of who you are. Um, so basic hilarious sacrifice means is you're going to give to the point where it's fun and it's enjoyable and you, you love it. And if it's not there, you haven't given enough, most likely. Um, and then uh, at that point, uh, you discover that the things that were important to you aren't anymore. Other things have taken their place. So that's the hilarious sacrifice part of it. I also discuss tithing, uh, but not tithing as a 10% amount but it's a statement of faith. Uh, tithing does require a step of faith unless you're independently wealthy to wear a tithe, you wouldn't even miss it. But most people are not in that category. So maybe a tithe is, is your goal. If you really are so down financially you can't do it, maybe that's your goal. Maybe that's a, hopefully a starting point for people. And it is in a prayer budget we talked about earlier. Um, but you may go beyond that. Maybe uh, giving a tithe isn't enough. It's not enough. You need to sacrifice something of your own wants and give up something in order for giving to have a real value. So I, we talk about that. And then I talk about planting a seed. Start where you are. Do something. And giving a man, if, even if you say, I can't do it, give 10 bucks. Give something. Just start. Uh, and then let God multiply it from there. The epilogue that's, is, is interesting. Yeah, that's the key to the house. That's the that's key. To, makes it, the, the epilogue makes it work, or the sacrifice makes it work? Uh, it's, uh, it's the giving itself, the process of giving and, and, and doing what sacrificially giving uh, is the key to make the house safe and secure and what you want. And when you get all done, you mentioned the epilogue, that is where we talk about what is true abundance. Because a lot of people think that true abundance is a mansion on a hill or lots and lots of money. And that isn't God's measure of abundance. You might have a mansion on a hill. You might have all this beautiful, lovely things. But that's not what matters. What matters is that you have God's love within you and let Him determine, not you, 
what it is that he wants you to have. And you'll live in God's level of abundance, which is probably a heck of a lot better than our version of it anyway. <laughs> now, David, I know that your book is available on Amazon. And I want to make sure that the listeners have your name and the correct title of the book. So it's David Finch, F-I-N-C-H, and the title of the book is God's Plan for Abundant Living. And then there's a secondary part of the title, but if you just remember God's Plan for Abundant Living and put that in by David Finch in the book search feature on Amazon and then click search, it'll bring it right up to your book because I did that when I was preparing for our interview. Where else besides Amazon might our listeners get a copy of your book? Well, Barnes & Noble, has, I just checked that one, too. Um, they have it online. You can go to Barnes & Noble and you type in it in the search, uh, God's Plan for Abundant Living, and it'll be one of the books that shows up. It's the only one with that name titled, but they, they bring three other books with it, but it's there. And it has, it's a white cover with a picture of the house and the title on it, so it's, it's quite recognizable. Um, and you can order it from there. You can also go to Author House itself, which is A-U-T-H-O-R-H-O-U-S-E, straight through, no, no division, uh, .com, and then uh, go to the bookstore and search there, or you can even give them a call and tell them you want uh, this, this book, and they'll connect you to the bookstore and you can order it directly from Author House. So there's those channels, and if they really want to be brave enough, they can contact us directly, contact me directly. I will send them the book. Uh, and it, so they're going to get it in any one of those channels. Good, good. What would you like, if you could sit down with our listeners face-to-face, what would you like to say to them, bottom line, about the book, David? Well, the book is, is is God's plan, not mine. I didn't make them up. I didn't create them. I simply discovered them. Um, and I've been using them in my work here at Emanuel Credit Management where I am now. I've been using them there for the past 50 years, uh, 40 years. And they're timeless. The principles always work. So if someone really wants to get their lives in order, they can say, ah, this doesn't apply to me, and it's not going to. It won't apply to them, and it won't work either. If they really want their lives to come together, this book has a plan to get there. Uh, it, those five principles are foundational principles. There's other things that would add to it, but those are the five foundational principles. And I don't know of any other book out there that covers them quite that way. So I really would commend the book to them. Uh, hopefully they will check it out and they'll find that this is something they like and they want uh, because I think it will change their lives. Well, David, I love the analogy of the house, and it was such a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you for taking time to be our guest today. I'm glad to do it. I appreciate it very much. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read. <laughs>